Hello and welcome to Fincia's podcast. My name is Ben Hamilton, Business Engagement Manager at Fincia, and I will be facilitating today's podcast. Our guest speaker today is Caitlin Isles, partner at Capital X. Caitlin was described by Sir Richard Branson as a game changer and a force to be reckoned with. As an experienced venture capitalist, angel investor, advisor to enterprise and startups, serial entrepreneur, keynote speaker, dyslexic and passionate changemaker driving for diversity and equality within the new economy. Welcome, Caitlin, and thank you for joining us today. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Capital X? Sure. Well, I'm uh, known as a bit of a, a serial entrepreneur. Um, I've worked in the VC space helping to create what is now Australia's largest and most active portfolio of early-stage startups. And during my time um, working on that project, I became aware of the investment opportunity uh, of investing in female founders. So now the next chapter of my career is still very much venture capital driven, but focused on female founders um, for the next little bit. Excellent. Okay. So busy. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to do in the space, that's for sure. No, absolutely. Okay. Capital X is a sister fund to what is Australia's largest and most active early stage fund. Uh, It will be a $50 million fund in size and will invest in female founders across Australia, into Asia and to the US. Uh, And to the best of my knowledge, that will make it the largest fund of its size. The way that it works is it's not industry specific. Um, In fact, we want as much vintage diversification as we possibly can have. We know that traditional venture and trying to pick winners, especially at the early stage, has proven to be unsuccessful. In fact, it's delivered a negative 5.5% return. Mm. So I don't know the stats of gambling, but I'm going to to place a small bet on the fact that you probably have a higher success rate of playing Russian roulette or something like that at the the casino. Not Russian roulette, just roulette. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas... This portfolio approach of investing a little bit in lots of different startups and then concentrating your investment as those that start to rise and show performance um, and validate themselves are the ones that you should continue to back. So although it's still early days for our sister fund, it's delivering a higher than 30% um, return rate on an unrealised basis. And... We're um, focusing Capital X on, on female founders because mm-hmm. of significantly higher returns. 12% higher on revenue, 35% higher on return on investment, and 66% higher on company valuation pre-exit. Mm-hmm. And unlike other venture funds, what we allow our investors to do, corporate, instos, high net worth, family offices, is to look through the portfolio and if there's a particular industry of uh, interest, whether that's property or any other, Mm -hmm. they can directly um, engage with those founders, offer their services, support, concentrate their investment, become a director, or just continue to follow on from a passive perspective. So from a corporate perspective, it Mm. provides an opportunity from a marketing perspective to say, look, we're not just talking about diversity, we're actually doing something using those data, the data that comes out of the portfolio uh, for product development and also for sales opportunities and from an HR perspective to inject the knowledge experience of our founders into their organisations to support their own internal cultural mm-hmm. programs, their innovation programs, etc. And then for corporate venturing to really come through and pick the winners out of the market that are of 
particular interest to them. Mm. So, you know, we hope to be announcing next year uh, at the start um, the corporates that are supporting us yep. with this. And if it's of interest to any of your members, then I strongly suggest or encourage them to, to reach out. Excellent. We'll certainly be keeping an eye out for that and wish you all Thank the you. success with that. Thank so. you. You are currently presenting at our Future of Finance series across Australia. Thank oh, yeah. you very much for that. No, We've already thank you. received a great, great feedback from our members and those who have attended as well, so that's really positive. Great. Um, but for yourself, how has the experience been thus far? Look, it's been fantastic and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. Uh, it's been a nice way to, I suppose, conduct some research from the other side. We know that the finance sector is very um, heavily male-driven. Um, and so it's been great to meet your members across Australia. Um, the two things that have really stuck out from the presentations to date have been that there's a real business case around investing in women that stands out um, and and can't be refuted. Uh, and that business case really hasn't made it to the stage until recently. So what members are getting, I think, um, from the feedback that I'm hearing the most out of these events is understanding the business case and why investing in women in the, in the new economy, sorry, is so very important. The other bit that's uh, come up and out of uh, conversations after events and then on LinkedIn, behind the scenes, is there seems to be a real concern um, from gentlemen about what do I really do and what don't I do around yeah. this whole topic? Um, and I can understand why. There's been a lot of negative commentary towards uh, men in the media of late. Yep. And I think it's important that we start to have forums and conversations where these questions can be asked. Uh, it's fantastic that they are being asked, um, but they shouldn't be shunned or, or closed down. So uh, I suppose to anyone that's listening or at any of the events, please feel free to keep getting in contact and, and asking those questions. I'm very happy to support and there's no right or wrong question to, to answer. Absolutely. I, I agree. I think it's important to have males represented there as well. To be sure. These, as you're saying, be part of these discussions you yeah. know, and getting encouraged to go along because it's important that everyone's on the same page. Look, this is a human issue. Yeah. I'm not advocating for a world that is female-led, male-led, anyone-led. It's uh, the business case clearly states that we get the best out of the economy, uh, especially the new economy, when we've got collaboration and diversity. And diversity is not just men or women. It's diversity in terms of cultural backgrounds, experience, um, different beliefs, etc. So my argument very much comes from, and, and I'm sure through this conversation we'll go through some of the business case, that uh, it's imperative that we have men at the, at the table because this is a human issue, not just a women's issue. No, absolutely. 100% agree. And I think Fincia is a strong advocate for diversity as well and it's championing that in the ways that it can. Good. Especially in financial services, as you say, it's still very male-dominated and yeah. I think that just needs to be challenged and addressed. So, yeah. Wonderful. In reference to the presentation that mm -hmm. you've been sharing at mm -hmm. our Future Finance series, mm -hmm. would you say that disruption is one of the biggest challenges or opportunities for venture capital? I think disruption overall, and there's some scary statistics around, you know, rate of automation of, of jobs, and I'm seeing some statistics saying up to, to 90%. There's daunting statistics about kids in school, you know, over 67% will work in jobs that don't yet exist. Um, we're seeing that we're transitioning from this 
go out, get a degree, and that will be a career from, for life, which I call a, a jelly career, you know, set and forget, into this portfolio career where you'll have lots of different bows, I suppose, to, to your string. And you might work three or four days in finance in a role that has a title under a big brand. But in those other days of the week, two to three, you'll work in either a startup or trying to focus on a problem that you're really passionate about. And so it's unlikely that your whole income or your working life is going to come from one source or stick in one vein. In fact, it'll be far more varied. So disruption, while it can appear very scary on the outside, actually represents a very significant opportunity. We've seen with every industrial revolution that uh, technology and disruption removes lower skilled jobs from the economy and it allows humans to focus on far more significant uh, problems. And when humans only use about 7 to 10% of their brain capacity, which we know is what's happening yep. currently, um, I think we've got some really big challenges as a, as a global population. Uh, so I see a huge opportunity for uh, talent to be focusing on those. So disruption, while uncomfortable, um, and an interruption to the way that things have been done, I think always paves a way to a better future. And from a venture capital perspective, you don't have the opportunity to invest and get the returns that you seek if it's all smooth sailing and steady as she goes. Um, that's not an environment that breeds opportunity. No, no I agree. And uh, as you say, moving away from the, uh, was it jelly careers, you said? Yeah, yeah I called yeah. them jelly Je careers, yeah, set yeah. and forget. Set and forget, yeah, <laughs> I like that. But yeah, moving on to that, moving towards that other model, as you said, you know, mm. working a couple of days in one area. Yep. I think that really gives people the opportunity to play to their strengths as well and utilise other areas of their personality, for example, or, for sure. or skill sets that ordinarily wouldn't be able to be done yeah, in, a, for sure. in a jelly career. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I think, exciting for all of us to consider mm. moving forward. Look, it's, it's, I can't take any um, accolades mm -hmm. for, for, for the term portfolio careers. That's come from Michael Statton, who's, a, um, who's the founder and partner of Learn Capital in San Francisco. Um, and he started life as a teacher and then uh, has fallen into to VC very successfully, and he talks about it a lot. So if it's something that interests you know, the audience listening today, then I, I would strongly recommend reaching out and, and seeing some of the discussions that are there on Google, etc. Sure, excellent. We'll certainly be checking that out myself, I mm. think. Yes. Um, that brings me to your comment about the fourth industrial revolution. Mm. Um, how important is digital in the role of disruption for this fourth industrial revolution? Well, digital really marked the onset of the, the third industrial revolution um, that occurred or started to occur late 70s, early 80s. Um, you know, I, I was one of the first, I think, that were using computers with that green dot, dot, dot line. We had floppy disks and, you know, in no way would I have thought that watching George Jensen and being able to see people face-to-face -face, we'd actually be able to do in, in today's environment. You know, my lifetime, we're getting to FaceTime each other and communicate in ways that we've never been able to communicate before. So this, the fourth industrial revolution, is really interested in AI, um, in robotics, uh, and it's the next evolution, leveraging digital and how do we... Uh, capitalise and integrate technology 
into our life. Mm. Um, and I think with every day that passes, our phones, our homes, anything that we're connected to is doing something more and taking over another piece of our, our life. And again, you know, I think that's positive in the context of freeing up capacity to work on bigger, more significant problems. Absolutely. It's a very exciting time, I think. Um, mm. A friend of mine um, recently attended a tech summit right. where they're displaying the, the future of AI and augmented reality. And some of the things he was telling me about was it's phenomenal. Unbelievable. Phenomenal. Um, it sort of feels like both sides of your brain are disconnected and then being swiveled around. You know, you, you've got to completely challenge the way that you thought Absolutely. things were or were going to be. Yeah. Um, because the things that I'm seeing on the horizon are just mind-boggling. Absolutely. And more so than just the backflipping robot we've seen on various social media platforms. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> I've got a real interest um, outside of the female founder space in mm. technology that's... Uh, focused on unlocking human potential. Yeah. I started my career out in psychology, rehabilitating drug addicts, okay. um, and fundamentally left because the success rate was very low. And it tends to be sort of similar to startups, so I don't know if I've really learned a great deal. But there's some AI technology that's coming out of the States based on data that has studied psychiatrists and psychologists for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And what they've found is there's huge variability in the quality of therapists because of personal bias, experience, yes. etc. And we try and work that out when young psychologists or psychiatrists are coming through. They're supervised to try and remove some of that bias. But we're human and that's a very hard thing to do. But what this AI has been able to achieve is, from that data analysis, understanding that there's only really seven core challenges that face humans. Anything else is sort of an offshoot of one of those. And as a result, it's a process driven to ask the right questions to lead the um, person being counselled to start to find solutions for themselves. Yeah. Um, now, if you think about homelessness, domestic violence, a lot of societal issues that we're facing at the moment, to be able to interact with the highest quality psychologist or psychiatrist or even just get access full stop is expensive. Mm. It's expensive to government and it's expensive to the private uh, person. So if you can use AI and make that available to the public anytime, anywhere, high quality, it comes back to, again, freeing up human capacity and ensuring that everyone, to the best of ability, has a role to play in, in fueling the, the engine of inno innovation and growth. Absolutely. It's a, as, as I say, it's a, it's a fascinating area. Oh, and then the ethics that comes part of that as well, that mm. program, that, that AI. And For sure. It's, it's a big piece of work, but it's exciting times. Yeah, it really hopefully is. Hopefully we don't go down the, uh, the Skynet route, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Being awarded the title of one of Australia's top 25 fintech influencers and given your efforts and commitment to smashing the glass ceiling, what advice would you give to young female leaders of today to make the most of the digital revolution, uh, ensuring they stay relevant, leading into the fourth industrial revolution? Yeah. So I think my, my advice, regardless of gender, is don't put all your eggs in one basket. I think... You know, when we talk about the end of that jelly career, get out and get engaged and understand what really is coming. One of the challenges that we face with ensuring that we've got a balance of female and male talent inside of the pipeline um, 
of young talent coming through. And this in no way is to um, criticise or to... to um, um, what am I trying to say, um, negatively um, look towards mothers. But we know that mothers are one of the key factors or one of the key influences that are saying to their girls, oh, I don't know that you want a career in technology. And their reasons are, and they're well-meaning, so again, I'm being really clear that I'm not saying that we go out on a, on a witch hunt here, but that mothers are concerned that they don't want their girls working in what they perceive to be rooms without windows, with a cultural group of people that could be very different from their own, eating food that generally, stereotypically, is not healthy, so Vallarkis, hamburgers, fish and chips, all that sort of stuff, um, with a group of people that don't tend to have the greatest social skills from, from their perception, and sitting there and spinning their propeller. Now... There are a whole lot of stereotypes in there that really need to be um, broken to pieces yep. because if we don't show women the opportunity of what technology represents, and from my perspective, it's you're connected to the world from day one now because of the internet. You don't have to be shackled to your desk, working from one place, nine to five, transiting yourself on average two hours a day to and from an office. The opportunity is huge. You know, the competence levels of women in the new economy are outstanding, which I'm sure we'll go through. But discouraging women from the new economy because it's different and scary and misunderstood in many ways is sort of sealing the nail in the lid of the coffin or ensuring the future redundancy of your daughter in the, in the workforce. So it's a very serious topic, um, and I think the best way to counterbalance it is for us to ensure that we highlight great role models that are having a wonderful time creating companies of their own, and yes, it's challenging, but also hugely rewarding. Um, we're very lucky in Australia to have a very significant number of wonderful female uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, we need those that have been successful to share their knowledge and experience and encourage the pipeline of talent behind them to step up and get involved. Mm -hmm. And so the last component that really breaks down, I suppose, the third pillar of that glass ceiling is, is mentoring and sponsoring. Yeah. So whether you're a, a guy or a, or a woman in the workforce, and this is something that's come up at every FinCIRA event, it doesn't matter what gender you are, just make yourself available to mentor and share your experience uh, and sponsor where you're literally, you agree with somebody at the start of the mm. year, okay, these are the three things that I'm going to help you with and then clear the way. So from my um, research to date, they seem to be the things that are going to drive real change. Absolutely. And on that mentoring point as well, um, heard some great instances of reverse mentoring as well. Mm. So we've got the, 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 uh, the more senior or successful male, if you like, mentoring mm. a more junior female, mm. but then learning from oh, each other 100%. and it's such an encouraging thing to see especially when people are open to yeah. change and development and wanting to progress yeah. I think it's, it's really key. Look I've had a couple of epiphanies this year I think I've always thought that mentoring is someone that is more experienced than you yeah. in a particular industry or vertical and I now meet on a regular basis with some millennials that natively speak marketing or tech or, or something that's very new economy based because their insight is completely different from mine. You know, my experience is still marred by some of those traditional values that we got going through school and university mm -hmm. and they disrupt my thinking and that's invaluable. So again, regardless of gender, I think make sure that you're looking up and down 
and yeah. to the side and everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> it's got to start from as early on as possible, from you know, early childhood yeah. through the schooling system as well. Yeah. I think that's certainly important. And on the mentoring point, again, if you could give advice to the younger you, and I know <laughs> hindsight is a beautiful and wonderful thing, but what would you say? It's a very interesting question because I now look at my career and having done a little bit of this and a little bit of that, in my mind, there's always been sort of three key drivers. It's around business opportunity um, and qualification, process and growth. And I think the process of business, regardless in my experience of whether that's in wastewater, property, psychology, or the business that runs psychology or into venture capital, there's a common thread that runs through that. I would definitely tell myself not to doubt that curious nature that was looking in all those different industries and sectors. Mm. Recruitment agents hate my CV. They just look at it and think, oh my gosh, what are we, what are we going to sell here? But as every day goes by, my um, bio, I suppose, becomes more valuable because we're starting to see that ASX boards are no longer just hiring individuals that have had that step-by-step progression inside of their career and they are acquiring individuals like myself that have, are proven as entrepreneurs, that understand the new economy, what's coming, the implications, positive and negative. And look, I think the advice that I'd give my younger self is still the, the same as today. Just, just keep going, stay focused. It won't be a smooth ride, but it'll be a hell of a lot of fun. Absolutely. I think that it, agility is important as well, yes. as you say, moving into this this future, well, not so much of a future state anymore, but it's a very soon to be a current state. Well, I, I think a great resource um, for anyone listening to, to read is a book called Anti-Fragility. Uh, and it's written by the same gentleman that wrote Black Swan, and he's an economist. And what he talks about is, if you go to send a box of glasses, for example, from here to... Melbourne. You're going to wrap it up very carefully, you're going to protect it, make sure that you give it all the support you can possibly uh, give it to ensure that it arrives in its original state. But that type of protection and support and de-risking doesn't work in the new economy. In fact, we're moving into an era where you want to look at opportunities, businesses, etc. in your own personal journey and career in terms of something more like a hydra. So a hydra is a multi-headed beast. Yeah. And when you chop off one head, all of a sudden another two heads spring up from there. Mm. So rather than trying to walk that straight, well-protected line, getting out and, and having disruptive experiences that are very uncomfortable, but fundamentally ensure protection from redundancy in the future are very, very important. So I think that's a great way of looking at, at personal career and an opportunity moving forward. Absolutely. Thanks very much for that. Do you think the digital revolution has made us more connected or disconnected? Um, I think from all the research I've done and from my own experience, I think we're more connected than ever before. Mm. What digital has done is blur the lines between physical, digital um, and gender spheres. It's created huge opportunities for the economy through that connection. You know, we're seeing all these micro-businesses popping up, selling any number of things. Um, you're more connected to a worldwide audience. If you look at a company like Etsy and you're creating a, 
a product from your own bare hands at home, well, now you can connect to a market of millions of people. Yeah. Whereas before, if you were taking that to a stall or a market on a weekend, you'd only have, you know, the collective group that walked through that particular event on that day. So from an economic perspective, I think the increased um, connectivity is very, very positive. Mm. But the quality of personal relationships from a connectivity perspective, I don't think necessarily has improved. Mm. I think we've all got friends or people that we're connected to on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, and you know we feel that we really know those individuals, but we don't really know those individuals. So, yeah, positive and negative. Absolutely. I think you often see that uh, someone's social media or online persona is very different to their... Oh, very uh, different. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Absolutely. there's a lot of statistics that say, you know, the person that we are in the digital world is literally a 10% correlation to the person that we really are in the, in the real world. So there's all these alter egos and we put up, you know, these moments on Instagram when we're sitting in Ferraris flying first class and it's a snapshot, yeah. but that halo lasts for a much longer period of time and it's not reflective of who we are day in, day out. Absolutely. Now, you have stated previously that female founders consistently outperform their male counterparts in venture capital portfolios. Do you think this trend will continue? And if so, why? So firstly, um, it's not just me stating that. It's not my personal opinion. It's based on data that's been collected from multiple different channels. Uh, and one of the key bodies that studied this is the Kaufman Institute that's studied venture capital uh, portfolios, um, VC professionals and, and angel investors. Um, so I am merely a, a voice to the data. Uh, and the reason why we see this consistent um, higher level of performance, and that's measured by increased revenue, which on average is 12% higher, um, return on investment, which is 35% higher, and company valuation pre-exit, which is 66% higher, the reason why that is, is less than 7% of venture capital generally, and last year it was less than 2.17% um, of global VC dollars uh, are invested into female founders. So those that do secure capital have to be exceptional. Mm. And so there's all this de-risking and, and I suppose removal of lower quality talent uh, that's moving its way up. So that's the, the first reason why. The second reason is that when you work so hard to secure that capital, you spend it far more efficiently and effectively. Uh, so female founders ring out more and more value mm. of a dollar than their, their male counterparts. So I think while the stats are, are stacked disproportionately between gender, mm. we're going to continue to see that. When the talent pool stables uh, out and funds are capitals moving equally between both genders, maybe that will continue, mm. maybe it won't. But I think we see consistently, you know, if, if you look at a country like Israel, mm. a country that generally is very poor and has got to take sand in the desert and turn it into something. Uh, and they've leveraged human potential to create one of the world's leading VC markets. Mm. So what they have shown is, again, this, there's not an 
as much capital moving potentially at the early stages like there can be in the States. And so you have to fight harder to get those dollars. Yeah. You use them far more efficiently and you get a better outcome. So it's, it's a way of being or a process, I suppose, that applies itself when there is um, a difference or a, a, a higher you know, supply and demand where there's uh, less demand founders have got to work harder for it. Absolutely, I think that makes sense as well. Mm. Or would you say there's a, a gender thing with males being more risk averse or? Uh, women and men tend to um, approach risk differently. We do see mm. some different skews towards that. Um, women do tend to be less risk adverse, but that's sort of at a, a community level overall. I think when you look at founders by nature, there is a, a type of personality that is drawn towards being a founder. You have to be resilient. Mm. You're going to spend more of your life getting no's and knockbacks than you are going to get yeses. Right. So you've got to be someone that's driven and focused and probably a little bit delusional. <laughs> um, and from that madness, we, we get exceptional different outcomes so yes there's differences in, in in community overall but I think and I haven't got the data that studies this but I think those that are successful um, share a lot of um, similar characteristics um, going through. Excellent thank you. Now Caitlin as a professional in the financial services industry do you think being a member of a membership organisation and community like Fincia uh, can help shape your career pathway? I think there's only one answer, uh, and the answer that I believe in, uh, which is yes. Um, if you're not connected to these industry bodies, you're not um, generally being afforded with the opportunity to network with individuals that you wouldn't necessarily get to cross paths with. Um, if you're sitting at home and you're not participating in an event where you're challenging your thinking or ha getting exposure to new insights, uh, that's not going to help you either, and that's what you get from industry bodies. You know, there's three or four networks that I'm very closely uh, aligned with, and, you know, my career really wouldn't be anything without them. So it's, mm. it's something that I'm very passionate about, um, and I put a lot of time into those mm -hmm. um, networks and, and support them. And while it's very important to, to be a participant or a member of your industry, again, I would encourage members to look broadly to complementary industries or um, interests. Absolutely. No, thank you. Thank you again, Caitlin, for joining us today and to all of our listeners. For more information on Caitlin, you can access her interview for our in-finance publication on Fincia's website, www.fincia.com. Please subscribe to our podcast to keep up to date with future episodes. And this concludes our podcast today with Caitlin Isles. <laughs>